The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. You're listening to Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall. Jordan, once again, it's so nice to be catching up. And every day we have more and more hockey content to break down. Right now, we came fresh off of a press conference following the Flyers practice in Toronto. Um, A lot of good stuff. We heard from Elaine Vigneault. We heard from Phil Myers, Claude Giroux, Travis Sanheim, of course, Nicholas Obey-Cubell. A lot of good stuff to get in. But firstly, we heard from Elaine Vigneault. We, we saw some systems working out there in practice today. Elaine Vigneault seems pretty happy with what he's seeing so far. But he's made it clear, Jordan, that no matter what the lines are right now, he plans to even change it up in, in the coming practices. Like, things can change so quickly uh, before, during, and like even after these round-robin games. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, fans or any of us should not really get too tied to these combinations uh, especially at four, I think it, on defense, they're a little more etched in stone. Um, I think Vigneault really likes what they've got with Provorov Niskanen, Ron Haig, and Sainheim Myers. I think that's going to be what they roll with um, unless something drastically changes and they need to shake things up. But uh, with the four combinations, they've done a nu- numerous looks, and I think we're, we're going to expect them to change for a few reasons. One, the round robin, Elaine Vigneault has mentioned that he plans on trying different looks and seeing what works best because ultimately the main focus is round one, that game one and round one. So as important as the round robin is, he's going to use it as a time to experiment and see different things. And then secondly, in the playoffs, Elaine Vigneault mentioned it uh, today that um, you don't really have the, the luxury of an 82-game season where you can kind of let things work and kind of iron things out. Uh, if things aren't working, sometimes you have to adjust quickly. So I don't think Elaine Vigneault is going to really um, tie himself to any specific combination. He's going to try different things, especially if they're not winning. Uh, so I think that's good to hear. The Flyers have the depth to do that, um, and, and that's good. And, Katie, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Elaine Vigneault also said that, um, you know, as we know, this guy's been around the block. Uh, he's taken two teams to the cup final. Uh, in his previous three stops in year one of that job, he has won a playoff series. Uh, so he knows how to get the most out of his teams. He knows how to win series. He knows how to go on extended runs. And he mentioned how he really feels like this team has the focus um, of a team that like knows how to go game to game and have the right uh, frame of mind to focus on each shift and take everything as seriously as possible he says he notices that in that team. Uh, what did you think of uh, what he had to say about this Flyers team? Yeah, I loved that too. When he was mentioning the difference between this Flyers team from you know the past teams that he's coached that have been successful on long playoff runs. 
he mentioned so much of that mental toughness, like how much that separates a team that's going to be successful. They have to be mentally tough. Yeah, you have to be you know, good on the ice, talented on the ice, but that mental toughness is something that's really hard to find. But yeah, I did love what he mentioned with this Flyers team. He said the will to win is there. We just have to go out there and prove it. Um, he, if anybody's going to say that, like Elaine Vino saying it, you know that like, and Jordan, how much do you remember? We've talked about this before, like before uh, the NHL pause, that question, he's like, we're going to make it to the playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. And it's like, when he says that, you're like, okay, like bow to the King. Like I, I believe him. It, well, you know what? At first I was kind of like, okay, that's a coach thing to say, but I've learned with Elaine Vino that like, he doesn't say anything that, you know, he doesn't mean like, he's not messing around. Um, so when he did say that, a lot of positive things with this Flyers team. Uh, another big thing he meant, alluded to was the momentum. You know, it's so hard to build up. It's so hard to recapture. But on, you know, the same wavelength of that mental toughness, that's where the momentum ties into. It, the team that's going to be successful is the team that's going to be able to, to one, build, build up that momentum right from the get-go, the team that's going to maintain it but also a team that if they do fall down, you know, they know how to get back up right away. Uh, so that whole mental toughness tying into this Flyers team that, you know, he really had high praises for, it's very reassuring to hear it. And another thing too, going back to the round robin games, you mentioned this, you know, he's, and, and I said it too, I mean, he's planning to switch things up. A quote that he did say today in the press conference was, there's that balance I need to find. Like you mentioned that, the, you know, sort of set in stone uh, defensive pairings that, we could maybe think about seeing, and I just say maybe because of the Shane Goss despair question in my mind. I'm like, yes, I don't think he's going to switch things up very much. Like, he likes what he sees, and I think it will stay that way. Like, for sure, maybe round robin game one, but he said this too, Jordan. Like, he just has to get up to game one and really reevaluate later. And I think that's going to be a lot of coaches' approaches, specifically in this round robin play. Uh, but very uh, uh, something to just remember that balance I need to find. And I feel like when we talk about what an advantage, right, that the Flyers can only go up from here and they get to, you know, get right back into the game by starting off against the three best teams in the East. Now they get to use this as a time to really like mold out what they need to do before, you know, that first actual round. So again, it's a great, a great space for them to be in, but very good words to hear from Elaine Vigneault, certainly. He's always got good stuff to say. He does. And uh, Katie, kind of made me want to ask you, um, after I make this point, I think for a few, for a few good things, what Elaine Vigneault is doing is one, it puts, I think some internal pressure, good internal pressure, because it creates competition for guys like Joel Farabee, Nate Thompson, right. um, Michael Raffle, Nicholas Albe-Kubel, guys that are kind of flirting with different roles um if they go out there and they they make a bang uh it could cement them for the next couple of games um and it also puts the pressure on them, like hey you need to you need to produce you need to be good every single game Elaine Vigneault mentioned that you know th this is the playoffs one bad game can kind of derail things um it's not an 82 game season where patience is um gonna be a, a virtue or anything it's no you gotta you gotta perform now so I think that's a good thing for the Flyers. It definitely puts an internal competition there among guys that really don't have their roles 100% solidified. And then secondly, we see guys being tried in different spots, Katie. Uh, Nicholas Aubé-Kubel climbed to the third line in practice, going from the fourth to the third. Tyler Pitlick went down to the fourth. We've seen Joel Farabee go from the second line to the fourth. Um, good internal competition, and it really makes each game 
that much more important because I think these bubble guys know that if they can, can go out there and make a statement, they could solidify their spot. Katie, I wanted to ask you, if there's one line that you would not mess with, what line would that be? I think Lawton, a- I'm jumping on you. Lawton Hayes and Travis Konechny, without wow, a I like doubt. That. I saw, you know what, like that, I already knew what you were getting to. That's my line. Especially when you see what they did in exhibition play. Sorry, everyone. I got a little excited. I love that it. is, I just, when you talk about electric, that is the electric line. Like you have like, you have dad literally wait. Oh, Voracek's not a dad, but well, yeah, he is. So you have a full dad line. They're, they're just the leader of the pack to start it off. <laughs> and then you have Travis and, and Kevin, uh, Kevin Hayes. Oh my gosh. And Travis and, uh, Wow. Scott Lawton. I'm like mixing up all my words. Cause it's like this line. I'm just so excited to see. Gosh, I think that's like the most excited I've been in a while. <laughs> they, they really just bring it. I, I mean, when you think about Travis Konechny, we talk about him as a spark plug. Then you have Kevin Hayes. What did we say on the last episode with Taryn Hatcher? He's the, he brings the passion. He's the passionate one. And then you have uh, Scott Lawton that just really brings it all together. And what a warrior he is as well. He's just, uh, this, is, this is a line I'm really excited to see, and I do not see him flipping any of that around. Yeah, th- that was something we asked Aline Mignot today. I tried asking him um, about Joel Farabian moving him around and how much that could be dictated by that line of Scott Lawton, Kevin Hayes, and Travis Konechny. And the reason why it can really dictate where Joel Farabee is is because when Joel Farabee was playing on that second line with Hayes and Konechny, he was really good. But then what it did was it moved Scott Lawton down the middle instead of playing on the wing on that second line. It pushes Lawton to the middle and at a lower spot. And when Hayes and Konechny and Lawton are playing that well on that line, they were really good in the exhibition. They had really ridiculous chemistry during the regular That's what season. I was going to say, too. Yep. yep. And I just think – I asked Elaine Vio, is that line really difficult to break up? And he kind of – sidestepped it a little bit basically I think he wants to say hey listen nothing's really set in stone people have to perform to earn their spot and I'm not going to say anything's unbreakable but that one I think is the line that's the toughest to break because they've been so good and then it really it really now puts pressure on Joel Farabee to perform in the bottom six I think we know what he can do in the top six but now we got to see we got to see him do something in the bottom six and if he does and then maybe that second line struggles a little bit. Maybe Joel Farabee sees, you know, a jump up top. But I think Joel Farabee's in, in kind of a bind here. He could be in. He could maybe be the extra forward out. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, I want to ask you, come game one of the playoffs, we won't say with the round robin because the round robin, we're going to see changes. Come game one of the playoffs, who do you think is that 13th forward, the odd man out? I li- Okay, so, like, it's really tough, especially when you see what happened today. Like, I, I know Raffle will be in that fourth line, like, or at least somewhere. Raffle's going to be in there. Tyler Pitlick, uh, what he's proven throughout the season. So, for the 7,000th time on a podcast, we're debating between Farabee and Thompson, and I still don't know. It's very, very hard. It's, like, it stresses me out, honestly. Like, I, I don't know, but – he, he just seems to have that hope in Joel to bring, bring some sort of spark. So if we're talking specifically game one, it's like, I guess it'll just keep coming down to what we see in practice, but I'm saying Farabee's in. I, I literally think Farabee's in, and if there's an issue, he's out. I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't think about it enough. Just, oh, and going back to that, like, Lawton, Hayes, Travis, connect me line one more time. 
yes, it's an exciting line to watch as everyone just heard me. Uh, very, very pumped to see what they have. But I still think, I mean, if something doesn't work, like we know Elaine Vino's style, he'll c continue to switch it up. So this could be an excitement thing now, and maybe it doesn't look the same, uh, you know, come game one of, you know, the first round or even round robin play. So you kind of expect all of that to happen. And going back to my earlier point, that's what he's trying to find is that balance right now. So yes, that could be a set in stone line, but even with Vorich, I mean, we don't even know that top line might not look the same. Um, so all the way from top to bottom, it's going to be a very interesting process, but I can't even, I'm not going to break down. I'm going to give that question to you, by the way, yes. in a little bit, but I can't really break that down yet until we really see what happens. I have one more thing on that topic. I just want to say, Giroux was asked today about, you know, how deep this team is and just like, is, is it one of the deeper teams you've ever been on, you know, as far as the Flyers go? And he said, I think so. And just that, like, he elaborated more on it, but he just really mentioned that you can trust anyone in your lineup on this team. Like, yeah. you're comfortable with everyone and, and just the way that things have worked out. And, you know, specifically with that, that depth and, and everything that goes with it that we talk about, just hearing the captain say that and just they're really comfortable. I mean, we can see that, but it's nice to really just hear it, that for these players, it's, it's just as good as it is how, how we see it from the outside in. So no matter what – Whoever's going to be that 13th guy, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's – or the 13th uh, yeah, forward, I, I think that you're going to have a successful product out on the ice. It's a great – again, the competition you mentioned, it's, it's tough to think about, but you bring out the best in these players, and you're going to get your best lineup because of it. And even on that topic of Shane Goss' despair, it's the same exact case. Um, why not have it? And, and you know what, just re more reassurance, too, with, you know – you're not hoping for any injuries or anything down the line, but there's even more reassurance to come in on top of that. So anyway, I will now turn this to you because you do this to me all the time. Who is going to be the 13th guy? Yeah, I know, Katie, we, we really do kind of talk ad nauseum about like the lines and stuff, but it's because it's kind of always changing and it's such a big topic in the playoffs when each game matters so much. Um, but I will say to fans, like, don't – I would not get too attached to any lines because they are going to change unless the Flyers go out there and sweep every single team, which I don't think anyone's expecting. They're going to change because they do have good depth and they do have guys that can climb and go lower. Like, James Van Riemsdyk could probably play on your first, second, and third line. Travis Konecki's on the second line, but if the Flyers maybe needed a jolt on the first line, he obviously can play first-line winger. Jacob Voracek can probably play on your first and second uh, so they, they, they definitely have moving parts, good moving parts. Um, Katie, I first wanted to touch on Claude Drew. I thought that was very notable. And what I thought was very notable about him saying this is one of the deeper teams he's, he's had was because he mentioned what that does for each player's confidence and for his own confidence. When they know that they are deep first line to fourth line, it takes a little bit of pressure off of those top guys like Jacob Voracek, Claude Drew, Sean Gattorier. It takes some pressure because they know – if they're not producing, maybe offensively, they're still making an impact in the game, but if they're not right. putting up goals and assists, they can still win games. And we saw what the pressure did over the, the past two playoff appearances for the Flyers. Claude Giroux was not great statistically, um, but they played some really, really good teams. They played the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins, guys with star power with depth from one, two, three, four lines. It put a lot of pressure on the Flyers, big guys to put up points. And the Flyers were not – they were not better because of it. Now they are deeper uh, from 
the first line to the fourth, there's no doubt about it. We saw it during this season where other guys are stepping up and making plays and they're matching up better with the team's opposing best lines. And then it sets up Claude Drew and those guys better in their matchups. Um, and I think that's notable. I think we're going to see a difference this year in these flyers compared to the ones in recent past, the ones that were not winning playoff series. So I thought that was notable what Claude Drew said. For me, though, come game one, I want to see Joel Farabee in. I really do. I just have a feeling that they like Joel Farabee when he's in a top six role. But if he's not in a top six role because other guys are playing well, I wonder if they think Nate Thompson's a better guy to have on a fourth line. Just because you, what you're asking of Nate Thompson in a fourth line role compared to what you're getting from Joel Farabee in limited minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's where I think... I'm not saying they're going to go to Nate Thompson, but that's my gut is that if Joel Farabee is not forcing the matter, if he's not forcing the hand of the coaches and it comes between him and Nate Thompson for the fourth line, I wonder if they go Nate Thompson because he's a center. He can win faceoffs. He can play on the penalty kill. Um, he gives you a little bit more in limited minutes. That's just my gut. But I hope we see Joel Farabee, Katie, but I'm, I'm really not sure either. But time will tell. We have a game on well, Sunday and we'll see. Here's the thing. You say, I hope, like, I know we'll see Joe Farabee at some point. Yeah. It's just a great point. Like, yeah, like I think we'll see him in that first round Robin game. But then on the other hand, it's a great point you make with Thompson that he gives you more limited minutes. He can play center. That's something you need there as well. Um, and, and even when you talk about going up against the Boston Bruins in, a, in an atmosphere like this, like that might be the guy you want in there to really get things going. And when you think about Farabee, uh, yeah, it is such a difference in expectations, of course, when you talk about how many years uh, Thompson's had. This is Farabee's first ever playoff uh, experience. So no matter what, you know you're going to get something out of Farabee. But on that same measure of just like we'll see what happens after that first game even, uh, you know, lastly with Elaine Vino, he talked about Carter Hart and Brian Elliott. His, his mention of something we've seen, Carter Hart expected in net on Sunday for the first uh, game of round-robin play. And he kind of said, you know what, we'll I'll evaluate after that. Like, he has to see after. And, of course, that's something you would expect. Like, we can't even – we can have fun and poke at this and, and assume or guess and, and debate things. But no one knows what could happen. Uh, so, even the coaching staff, we, we can, you know, judge – or we can expect that he'll make a good decision. But – Says Carter and Nett on Sunday, of course, and then Brian's going to be one of the next two. It's kind of interesting because there was that concern. Like, yes, it's such a strong goalie tandem, Jordan, but there was a concern where it's like you can't be switching up goalies when you get into the playoffs. Like, you need to rely on your one guy. But almost in this, like, this point of it, isn't it kind of an advantage? Like, if you can get differences out of each, if one doesn't work, go with the other. Even if one needs rest, like, you can rely on your other guy. Do you see them switching up between these two come the first round? Or is he just evaluating? Because, I mean, in my eye, Carter's your number one, without a doubt. Um, but Brian Elliott, what if he brings something, too, in round-robin play? And, you know, Carter's first run at the playoffs. And guys, fans, don't get, don't get mad at me. I'm not saying Carter's not the guy. I, I know, you know, he, he has what it takes, but it's just that question. Like, maybe would they switch it up between games in the first round or anything like that? Is this something they could utilize to their advantage? Flyers fans, if you want to send your complaints to Katie Emmer, ah! you, you can find her on Twitter, Instagram. The, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jordan. No, that is a 100% valid question. And I'll say this. I would not want to be in Elaine Vigneault's shoes or Kim Delaval, the goalie coach's shoes right now, because the round robin is really tricky. Because, Katie, think about it. We know Carter's going to get game one. And 
Elaine Vigneault has adamantly said he, he is going to play Brian Elliott one of these games. If they win game one of the round robin, that game two becomes really important because if you win that game two, all of a sudden you're really set up well to possibly get that top seed in the East. But then are you going to say, well, Carter, thank you for getting the first two games of the round robin. We're going to Brian because we want to get him a game. It's, it's a really tough, difficult spot. I think it becomes easier if the Flyers lose game one. Then Elaine can be like, okay, you know what? Let's get Brian Elliott game two, see how we go. And then, hey, we'll get Carter game three. What I think what they're going to do is I think they'll get Carter game one, no matter what, if they win or not. They trust Brian Elliott, so they're going to get him game two. And then we'll see how game two goes. And I, I would expect, depending on the importance of game three, They'll get Carter game three and then say maybe they're out, they're totally out of it to really climb seeding wise. Maybe they'll split the game in two, you know, play it safe, get them both work. But it's yeah. a tricky spot. But as for round one of the playoffs, it's Carter Hart. I think there's. You're not messing around at that point. You're, you're yeah. leaning on one guy. Elaine Vigno has even said it. He said it during training camp. He goes, Carter Hart is our guy. We feel he's earned the right to be our guy with what he did in the regular season. That was by no means knocking. Brian Elliott at all it was just hey here this is our future he showed what he could do in the regular season he is our guy when when we're when we're at it when it all matters um I think for them to go to Brian Elliott it would have to be like a colossal mess up on Carter Hart's behalf in terms of and I hope he doesn't I hope he plays well he's a good kid um but I think they would have to go into like a two nothing hole and Carter would have to really have two clunkers in a row and maybe they go to Brian Elliott game three when they really kind of need to change the pace, change the tune a little bit. But I think it's Carter round one. Katie, how do you think it could shake out though in that round robin and obviously come round one? Yeah, anything could happen. You know, round robin, I, I even think like, okay, you're going against the top three teams. It's like, I don't even know if the Bruins, the, yes, I, I know they're the top team, whatever, this season. I say whatever. It's, I'm not too concerned. The Flyers, they, they have their own success, but I've, I've made this point. Every team is starting out as an equal playing field. I mean, essentially, yeah, you have a, a talented top line with Patrice Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, and Marshawn. But you know what? It's not like – it's just everybody's got their own things to work through right now, going back to that mental toughness Elaine Vino talks about. It's going to have to be a lot of pick-me-ups going on with no fans in the building. I mean, I just feel like no matter how talented a team is, the mental game is such a bigger part of this specific 2019-2020 Stanley Cup playoff uh, run for each team. So that being said, anything could happen in the round-robin games. But, you know, once again, it's it's not like a – it's not a big concern. Like, yes, you want them to win the games, but even hearing Elaine Vino and Chuck Fletcher mention, like the most important is that first round. And I agree. But at the same time, like, sure. If you win a couple, I'm not, or even a few, like, why not just set the bar high? I have no, I have no, um, I'm not going to set it low. I don't think anybody is. And I'm not going to say, Oh, you know what? They're, they're not going to beat any of these teams. Of course, Tampa Bay is so good as well in the caps, but um, even the Capitals dealing with their own sort of injuries lately too. I mean, you never know what could happen. So I'm going to set the bar high. I'm going to say, why not? Like, there's no need for me to just be like, Oh, you know what? They're going to lose against the Bruins. They're going to beat the caps. And then they're gonna, like, I, who knows? I'm just going to say, you know what? Win all three. If you don't, um, hopefully, you know, you just get through no injuries. You, you learn a thing about your team, a thing or two, and you have a great first round. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. But, yeah, that first round, especially when we're putting a cap now on this goalie talk, 
I have to agree with you. It's just one of those questions. I hate agreeing with you too, by the way. Oh, I can't use the word hate. That's very mean. Yeah. But I'm trying not to agree with you, but, um, it, it, like on this topic, it's, it's hard not to, I, I don't think as far as just what a team style is to play in front of a goalie, like in, in how that style is for the goalie, like you need a, the same goaltender for one round, at least like you can't be switching it up in the playoffs. And that's kind of what I alluded to earlier, but it is nice. It is very nice to know that you have Brian Elliott right there when you need him. And from what we saw during the regular season, it's nice to know that he can do the job he needs to do, you know, if, and when, you know, Hoping not, but if and when something goes wrong. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. I think us media members, we are selfishly hoping things go smoothly. So, like, we I don't know. have any goalie controversy. Because uh, I'm pretty sure last year we went through a NHL record eight goalies. Uh, we don't want that again. So, let's just yes. hope things go nicely. Brian gets a game. He plays well. Carter gets two. He plays well. Boom. We're good to go. But that round robin, Katie, it had me thinking. Um, we're talking about the round robin so much more now and the teams that the Flyers will face. We know the Flyers open with the Bruins, then they play the Capitals, and then they finish with the Lightning. Is there one team that maybe scares you the most in the round robin? The Lightning. Um, the Lightning. Okay, and why? I just couch up everything that they have going. The, a team that the Flyers – like, we saw the Flyers play with the Bruins this season. We saw them play with the Caps – but what were they against the, uh, Tampa Bay? I believe 0-2, and, and then they were supposed to yeah. play them again on that Thursday, and the season was called off. There's just a lot of threats that I see with that team, and I think there's something, too, and they got that chip on their shoulder. Like, you you haven't been able to get past them throughout the regular season, but I just think that's why they're the, the scariest or the most um, – the biggest threat in my eyes, just because the Flyers haven't been able to really establish their play against this team yet. But again – who knows, Jordan? Yes. Um, this is this is a different circumstance. Uh, Tampa Bay even dealing with their own, you know, that first week of what was it, phase two, and we see things happen down there. What was it? Yeah, phase two started up, um, and, and just the the craziness down there uh, with their training facility. So they've dealt with a lot of um, uh, adversity as well. But every team has. That's not going to take away from their talent. Of course, they still have that talent, um, but. Yeah, there's just something about that chip on their shoulder I feel like they have right now that just sees, in my eyes, as the biggest threat. What about you? I know. I, I feel like I'm going to agree with you, but, you know, we agree so much just because great minds think alike. <sighs> Besties. Um, <laughs> no, for me, it really is the lightning for those, for those reasons, too. Just the lightning, they have a chip on their shoulder from last year. Obviously, the historic regular season, and they lose in the first round in really bad fashion, I think. They have a chip, 100%. And what they do offensively kind of scares me with the Flyers. I think the Flyers play a style in which they want to be hard on the forecheck and really control possession. But the Lightning just have so much skill and speed. I thought they were able to combat all of that. Um, the Flyers weren't terrible against Tampa. They, they lost one nothing in one game. And then they lost 5-3 in another game where uh, the fifth goal was an empty netter. So those are two games that are kind of almost one-goal games. Um, and then, obviously, as you said, Katie, they did not play that third and final matchup. So I don't think the Flyers will go in thinking, like, this is a bad matchup. But if there's one team, it's Tampa. The Flyers actually played – they were the better team against the Capitals this regular season, uh, and, and handily so. And then against Boston, yeah, they fared fine against Boston. Uh, and, and they're playing Boston in the first game. So, there's a, you know, there's not as much pressure there. For me, it's Tampa Bay. 
And the good thing for the Flyers is maybe that third game, they'll have a really good idea, that third matchup against Tampa. They'll have a good idea what it means for them. So maybe that will kind of lessen the pressure a little bit for them. But, yeah, for me, it's the Lightning. Uh, I just think well, they're in most trouble. Yeah, and you know what? Even with these teams, the Flyers being that fourth seed, these guys just like – they're just trying to get through these games. They're like, come on, do we really have to do this? I'm sure they're looking forward to getting back out on the ice. But to them, this is like – this is like, come on. Like, I, I, we're just trying to get through, at least for the Bruins' sake. I could, th- I could think that. But maybe even Tampa Bay, too, the Caps are looking to just hold their place but maybe move higher. I just – I would think that the approach that – that difference in approach to these games for the Flyers is so much different, of course, than the Bruins in Tampa Bay in general. Uh, they're just trying to get through them and, and, again, hold their position. So I just randomly thought of this again. I know this is so far along. At the end of the tunnel, when the Stanley Cup is awarded, it's so important to just remember that any team, you know, through the round-robin play, even the teams that are playing for the qualifying round, like every team, whoever gets to the end of this, this is – as Keith Jones said, this will be the hardest Stanley Cup to ever win in history. Like, the, through all of this adversity, I, I just – I'm really excited to see how everything unfolds because we talk right now, right? Like, oh, Tampa Bay, such a great regular season. I don't know. What if New York just comes out of the gates just, like, absolutely fully healthy and they're just a different team? Like, yeah. it is so – it's kind of fun to think about. It's like that entertainment value, and I know uh, NHL fans are so excited to get it back and – um, again, I'm not saying that. I'm sa- even I'm thinking, what if with the Flyers? Like they could have you know way higher talent than anybody else. Flyers fans, do not worry. I am I am full gear, full throttle. I'm telling my friends there's still room on the bandwagon. Uh, my friends back in the Midwest to get on the Flyers. Uh, but no, I, I think that just in general, looking at the whole thing, it's just so important to remember. Like this is going to be an amazing thing to see. It's finally starting for our for us this Sunday, um, and. I'm sure, Jordan, you're in the same boat. It, it's just – it'll be very interesting to see it unfold because anything – anything is possible. Agreed. And I don't buy the whole asterisk crap. I'm going to say crap. Yeah. I think it is crap. It's, I think this – like Keith Jones said, I thought that, that really struck me. He thinks this is going to be one of the most difficult Stanley Cups to, to win ever. And you think about it, that really rings true. These guys went through, you know, a four-month pause where they, you know, they couldn't really do anything. Then they have to come back, go through a two-week training camp, and then uh, go to a hub city. For, and, and the team that wins, they'll be away from family and loved ones for two-plus months. You know, like Brian Elliott I saw just missed his, um, his, his son's first birth, one of his sons. Oh, first right. Birthday. That was so cute on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And, then, you know, Claude Giroux, there's a good chance he's going to miss his son's first birthday. Like, and Sean Couturier, away from his brand-new daughter. Sean Couturier, away from his newborn Even daughter. Even James Van Riemsdyke. JVR had a kid, had a, a little girl during uh, quarantine. You know, so no one's making excuses. And all the players have said great things that they know this is hard, but they, yeah. they, they, they know people have it worse and they are happy to, to be doing this. It's a chance at the Stanley Cup and they're ready to do it for family and loved ones. So, yes, whoever wins the Stanley Cup, it is deserved. And I hope it gets the credit it deserves. I was going to say, just this documentary, too, when you're away from yeah. your family and the team that makes it to the end and they're just like – Get, they just get home and embrace their family and it's just Stanley cup. And it's just like, it's, it's going to be exciting to see. Like I seriously get goosebumps from it. Just being a, a ho- hockey fan. And of course you hope it would be Giroux and James Van Riemsdyk and everyone. Cause they're humans at the end of the day. I want them to get back to their families, but if they have that hardware with them, I mean, just a great story overall. Um, and, and any team who wins it, it's great to just remember that it's going to be like a great documentary in years to come. 
It really will. And I think it'll be cool for families that uh, are huddled up uh, in their dining room watching the game. Yeah. Uh, Diehard fans that are getting to maybe during difficult times, uh, maybe experience something to kind of uplift their spirits. I think they're always going to remember that. So I think that's really cool too. With us talking about the qualifying round and games being ready to go and we're excited for them. Is there a qualifying round matchup that you're most excited to watch by any chance? I'm thinking, of course, Montreal and Pittsburgh. There's, without any doubt, that's probably the one because it's like, you think about Carey Price, his talent, and Pittsburgh, like, I knew it was just an exhibition game, but Sidney Crosby didn't have one single point. Malkin didn't, he was having a ton of mishaps. Like, again, I get it's an exhibition game, but it wasn't like, it didn't really, it didn't seem to have that spark. But of course, I mean, you can't under, or you can't overlook, I would say, Jake Gensel, who is back in the lineup, like, things like that. But I don't know, just mo- something about Montreal that I just really feel like uh, they might have that magic. Uh, and I know a lot of it comes from their goaltender and what can he do. Like, he's not out there. But, of course, he can do a lot. He can slow down uh, a lot, and he's been through this before. Uh, talented carry a price. You can never overlook him either. So it'll be just like a very good matchup. I'm going to – I don't know how many games I think they're going to go to, but I say, I say uh, Montreal – I'm just going to lean on them and say Montreal passes the Penguins just for fun. Just for fun, because I know the Flyers fans are going to love me saying that. So no, I'm going to go with it. They, they 100% will. And if you think about it, too, in a best of five, like it's a shortened series. So all yep. Carey Price has to do is maybe steal that first game, and all of a sudden you have Penguins fans really sweating. I think Flyers fans would love <laughs> nothing more than that, to be sitting in their comfortable round-robin scenario and watching the Penguins sweat through a, a tight series with Carey Price, who obviously can win a series on his own. Uh, I love that choice. For me, I'll say I'll go Blue Jackets, Maple Leafs. Obviously, I think it's going to be a tight matchup, 8-9. I love watching the Maple Leafs play because, obviously, they have some really offensive firepower. So, I think they're fun to watch. And then you think of the contrast. You have the Blue Jackets, kind of a Cinderella story. um, And you got to love John Tortorella. Just the guy's entertaining. You know you're going to get entertainment. So, I'm going to go Maple Leafs, Blue Jackets there. I just think there's so many entertaining different avenues there in that series so that's that's it for me katie but uh hey we got oh. games coming katie and that and we're pumped for it i cannot wait and you know what like if i just i know i'm going back to this press conference earlier but i just want to finish with one point that was very interesting that i didn't really think about because you know there's no fans and stuff in these games and hearing from travis sanheim today as a defenseman what goes on because right we only just we watch we see what happens but Jordan, hearing him talk about um, a benefit to having no fans is that he can hear um, when he's when he's going back for pucks, he can hear his centerman, he can hear his teammates communicating communicating with him. Yeah, like, wasn't that so interesting? I'm like, I know I'm going right back to the press conference, but I just wanted to finish on that because some fans out there, it's it's stuff you sometimes don't really remember. It's like that could be a really great thing in this scenario, um, and of course, every team's going to be able to have that. So right? It's still, it's not like a huge benefit for another team, but just that communication could really help out. Um, and, and why not take a hold of it, take control of it in this scenario? I mean, of course you miss the fans. I'm sure they would all want them there in this playoff situation, but Hey, if you can have a benefit of communicating better, why not? Absolutely. And you think, um, there's obviously communication on the ice between all players, right? Or for defensive partners, like you said, Katie, defensive partners, it can be essential, it's just you and that partner, and you really have to connect to, to be productive. And you think it could really benefit two guys like Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim, two young guys with not a lot of playoff experience, 
where if they were playing in front of 18, 19, 20,000 fans on the road where there's a lot of pressure and you can't hear each other and you're not really used to that, uh, that's a, a defensive pair I think can really be impacted. Now, no fans. They can really talk cleanly to each other. They can talk cleanly to their goalie, Carter Hart. Um, I, yeah, I think that could be a real benefit. Matt Niskanen the other day said uh, it was a little different. He's like, I usually shout to Provi, and he can usually hear me, but he's like, I think he heard me crystal clear um, because there was just no fans there. So, he yeah, just I looks think, at him like, geez, you don't need to yell at me. Like, right. watch your tone. <laughs> I think we're going to hear AV a ton too. Elaine Vigneault's voice always carries uh, with yeah. fans in the building. I think we're going to really hear him. And I think that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun for us. The you know order. what? It's just fun to think that hockey's coming back. I'm so cheesy. I always finish with that, but I don't even care. You know what? Um, I Every day, again, I've ugh, broken record for everything, but especially around this, just getting closer and closer. It's so fun to say another day closer. Yep. We saw exhibition play, Jordan, but now the games really count on Sunday. And we're going to talk after that. How exciting is this? Our next episode will be after that game. Um, really looking forward to it again, for those that might not know the game will be on, uh, we will have pregame on NBC sports, Philadelphia, starting at 2 PM, really excited to get back in a studio for some game action finally. And, um, the game will be on NBCSN uh, puck drop at 3 PM Eastern. So a lot of exciting stuff. It all starts with the Boston Bruins, Jordan, and we'll talk after. Absolutely. Katie. I cannot wait to see you on pregame live. Uh, Finch, check it out on NBC Sports Philadelphia. The crew will be back, and uh, that's super exciting. And uh, Flyers fans, next time we talk to you, we will have round-robin games to talk about and plenty of analysis. Uh, but this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Thank you very much, Katie Emmer. As always, thank you to our podcast producer, Ben Barry. Fans, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.